Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. All right, this morning we are going to have our reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through to 21. So we've got quite a large reading here, so bear with me. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native languages? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Bigria and Pamph Pamphylia, sorry, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they then asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's welcome up Josh. Thanks, Mel. Yeah. Thank you. Just there. Perfect. Thank you. 
Well, good morning, everybody. It is wonderful to be with you. If you don't know me, my name is Josh Shearer, and I am the, the minister here, or the pastor here at Gawler Uniting Church, and across out at Williamstown and Sandy Creek as well. And it's a thrill to be able to, to bring you the word today as we celebrate what many call the birthday of the church. It's where everything began. It's that moment in the New Testament, the moment after Jesus' life and ministry when everything changed. But before we explore that, I'd love you to pray with me as we get into the message. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way that it speaks into our hearts and into our lives. How extraordinary it is to me even now that your spirit can bring a word of hope and truth and life and meaning into each person that is listening, each person that might encounter this message. Lord, by your spirit, you bring truth into them in different ways through the same words. And Lord, that tells me, that reminds me that these are your words, that you are in control, that this is your gospel. So Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. As we come to hear your word proclaimed this morning, we pray as you taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are all yours. Now and forever we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever had a moment in your life where everything changed? Where your life had been on a trajectory of some sort, and then there was a moment in time. That wasn't very good. Let's try again. That's better. Where everything changed. And from that moment on, you thought, you know what? Nothing's going to be the same anymore. I might not know quite how it's going to look, but somehow this has changed everything. I was reminded of a moment like this in my life over the last couple of days. I was at a, 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 presbyt a presbytery conference over the last couple of days. If you don't know what a presbytery is, it's the network of churches that we are a part of as a denomination here. It's called Generate Presbytery. And we gathered up at Hope Valley Uniting Church uh, and for a couple of days of worshipping together and fellowship, we explored uh, some teachings around what it means for uh, us to share faith in the world and in our contexts. And it was a beautiful time. But the, the conference began with a, a lunch for just the pastors, which was, is a bit unique in our denomination. We don't often do things just for the pastors. But they, they thought it would be really nice to gather the pastors together just for support and, and a bit of fellowship and networking and things like that. And I was put in charge of uh, helping that the pastors gathering connect with one another and support one another in prayer. And now that was, that's hard work. If you've ever been to a networking conference or something like that where you've got people from, and pastors and church leaders from as far west as you can get that we have a church and as far east in the state as you can get, we had 
people from all over the place, country and, and rural and urban and suburban and peri-urban and quasi-urban and however you want to define the different areas and, and, and groups of, of towns and, and places where churches are. You've got everyone. And you know what churches are like. We click with one another and we, we, get to, we talk with the people that we know and that we like and that are like us. No one's ever done that in a church, have we? No, right? And so my job within that was to, to lead an hour of time where we would break that mold and help people to connect with one another. And I asked some simple questions that I wanted people in groups of three to do. And, and the questions were this. It was, where were you born? And what has happened since? But to help people, acknowledging that some people had seen a few more summers than others, I asked a couple of clarifying questions. I said, I want you to share with the group of three that you're a part of, I want you to share a place of significance, I want you to share a person of significance, and I want you to share a moment of significance. And as it happens when I lead these sorts of things, I never actually give any thought as to what I'm going to say in these moments. So I gathered with our group of three and I shared the, the, the place of significance was the Grampians for me. That's like holy ground for me and I'll talk about that another day. A person of significance was a minister I had growing up. Uh, he was totally uh, was influential in my life. But the moment of significance, as I went to say, it was something I didn't expect. And it was, I remember sitting... Uh, in my bedroom, Eloisa and I were married, and, and I remember sitting in my bedroom one afternoon, and I received a phone call. It was a phone call from a, a minister by the name of Naomi Duke, and she didn't know me, and we'd never met in, in any sort of way, and the phone call was an invitation. It was an invitation to consider becoming a pastor. And now you've got to understand the context of this moment for me. I'm a 26-year-old police officer. I'm about to go on holidays for a month to, to North America, which we were so looking forward to that. And out of the blue, I get this phone call from this minister whom I didn't know. And I can only imagine, it. I know Naomi watches our services from time to time, so I want to honor you, Naomi, in that. But this phone call happened. And in a moment, something in my spirit told me everything was about to change. And little did I know that that would take me on a trajectory, that phone call. An invitation to apply to be a pastor at a church would take me on the trajectory of my life, changing from a police officer, a career police officer, that's all I ever wanted to do, to becoming a pastor, and which takes me to this stage right now, where I am. And I wondered, do you have moments in your life where you have experienced that? Moments where... You just had a sense. You weren't quite sure how or why you'd come to this moment, but it was a moment, and in that you realized that everything's about to change. Everything is going to be different. Those moments can be positive or they can be negative. They can be moments of extreme and extraordinary tragedy and brokenness, hurt and pain. And somehow there's something that whispers into your heart that says, this is going to change everything. And in some, in sometimes in those moments, we're wondering, is it going to change everything for the better? I don't know. But everything's going to change. And sometimes it's, it's extraordinary moments of joy, being, getting married. We like to think that some of us, when we get married, nothing's going to change. 
but it does. Because two people have to try and figure out how to do life together. And some of us are still figuring it out in different ways. I know some of you have been married for 60 years or longer, and you're still figuring it out. Let me know any hints you've got. Marriage is wonderful, but it's not easy at times. But another example of, of, of this change is having a child. Those that have had the blessing of being able to have children. That moment that that baby is born, nothing has really changed. Not really. But at the same time, everything has changed. Because <laughs> you've got this little person, this being that is entirely dependent on you. And you just get the sense that everything is going to change. And as a young adult parent... I was, we, I was, we were always thinking, Eloise and I were thinking, well, how, you know, baby will just come with us to stuff. And we'll just sort of do life the way we've done it up until now, but they'll just be a little human with us. <laughs> That's so not true. My recollections of my mum in those, in those moments, she says, yeah, yeah, we just took you everywhere. You slept on the pool tables on a little woolen sort of fleece thing, and, and it was great. I said, but mum forgot to remind me that I was number three. So they'd already, they'd already sort of done the full adaptation with my older two sisters. And then for me, it was sort of like, oh, he's still here? Sometimes? Oh, we f- yeah, anyway. That's a thing I might process with some people later on. But moments. Moments of significance. We all have them. And it's moments where everything can change. And I was reflecting on this idea, particularly over the last couple of days on this conference. And I was thinking about what is it that gives us hope in those moments? What is it that gives us the ability to have a bigger perspective than what we can see? And I believe it is actually the power of the Spirit that enables us to see more than we can see with our our two eyes or even with our imagination about what's possible in those moments when everything is about to change. And of course, we read in Scripture about the moment in the church where everything changed. For up until now, the disciples had been following Jesus around, and He's doing His ministry thing, and they're just sort of following and taking notes, and Matthew is taking notes, and John is taking notes, and... and We read their accounts in Scripture about what they see, what they experienced. We read the account of Mark, who got to know Peter and wrote down his story and his understanding of the accounts of Jesus' life. But then everything changed because this guy that they had been following was crucified, unjustly tried, betrayed and crucified. And they're going, I don't know what happens next. I don't know what... I don't know what happens next, but all I do know is that everything has now changed. Because we thought this Jesus was going to be the Messiah. We thought he was going to be the one that would change everything. We thought he was going to be the one that would herald in a revolution that would overthrow our Roman oppressors in the first century. Because Rome was this juggernaut of, of, of domination and oppression in the region. And this Jewish community had been occupied by the Roman Empire, and there was an army in their cities. And they were expecting this Jesus to be the one that would lead them out of that. Because that's what the prophet said was going to happen. 
that one would come who would be the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that would make the nations his footstool. And surely this Jesus, we've seen him heal people. We've seen him do extraordinary things. We saw him baptized with the Holy Spirit. A dove came down. We heard God speak from heaven and say, this is my son whom I'm pleased. Listen to him. This Jesus was going to change everything, and then he dies. And then we're left with going, we don't know, quite know how this is going to all fit together anymore. And then they're in an upper room. And they're afraid because they've been told to, Jesus said to him before, he say, sorry, sorry, let me take a step back. There's an important detail that I skipped over. So it's, that on the third day after Jesus was crucified, the tomb was empty. That's an important detail. And as the tomb was empty, Jesus started to appear to his disciples and he said, something extraordinary has happened. I have been raised from the dead to conquer death, to conquer the brokenness in this world. And you are going to be my witnesses to this to the ends of the earth. But he says to them before, he, he says to them, but you need to wait until I send the Spirit, my Spirit, to be with you. So you need to wait in Jerusalem until that moment. And then he ascends to heaven to be with the Father. Now, I don't know exactly how that happened. I don't know exactly what that looked like. But all we know is that the disciples are left wondering, what do we do now? What do we do now? And then we reach this moment in Acts chapter 2, where the disciples have gathered in a house, and we presume that they're praying, they're doing the things that Jesus instructed them to do, which was to pray with one another and all that sort of stuff. And it was the day of Pentecost, a Jewish festival. where it was seven weeks after, after the feasts that, and all the events of Jesus' death. And they were together, and suddenly, in the room, a sound like a violent wind comes in. This is my favorite bit. There you go. Sorry if I frighten anybody with that. And a violent wind came from heaven, and it filled the house. And they seemed what looked like to them, tongues of fire descend from heaven and come and divide itself, divide itself and rest upon each member of the household and it enabled something extraordinary to happen. They started speaking in different languages, languages from all over the area, all over that region. And what they were declaring was they were declaring the truth of God. The wonders of God. And there were people present from all of those locations. And they're saying that, down in verse 12, they were amazed and perplexed about it. Hearing the words and, and wonders of God declared in their own tongues. And they were perplexed and they were wondering, what does this mean? What's happening now? 
And in that moment, Peter and the disciples stand up. And in a raised voice, because they didn't have a microphone, he declares truth to those that were present. And he says, let me tell you what's going on here. They're not drunk. That's a stupid suggestion. It's nine in the morning. They're not drunk. Of course they're not. Let me tell you what's happening. And you know this because you've, heard, you've read this before. The prophet Joel, whom all the Jews gathered, would have known about. He says, you've read this. Let me connect the dots. Because you would know the prophet Joel declared something extraordinary. He said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days, and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. And then he speaks of the propheticness of the end days. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And here it is. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What's going on here? What happened? Well, there's two hints. One is obviously what the prophet Joel spoke about, what Jesus declared, that the Spirit would come upon all people. That where once up until this moment we saw the anointing of God rest on a single person, or a prophet would speak into the, into the Jewish nation and say, cut it out, God has told you that you shouldn't be doing this, change your direction, the Israelites do for a little while, the prophet dies or goes away or is killed, and the Israelite people, God's chosen nation, start to defect again, and, and God anoints another person, and around, around, around we go. Up until this moment in time, the Spirit of God had only ever rested on a single person at a single time, as far as we understand it. And that Spirit rested on Jesus during His life and ministry. But what happens in this moment is that the Spirit comes down as a single flame, and the single flame came down. But in verse 3 it says, the single tongue of fire separated. It separated. It multiplied. And it came to rest on each of them. It came to rest on each of them. And so in this moment, what's happened is that the Holy Spirit has decided, God has decided that no longer will I be present on a single person in a single place at a single time. Instead, my spirit's going to come down and be present with you all. Why? Because God is going to do something extraordinary in the world. His spirit is going to be poured out on all people so that we can be what Jesus called us to be as the church, witnesses prophets, beacons of hope and life to a world that desperately needs to hear it. For the disciples, for the church, this was the moment when everything changed. And as we read the rest of Acts, we read about the extraordinary things that each of the disciples do individually. 
each of them. They say that signs and wonders accompany the preaching of the disciples or of the apostles as they are, those that are sent. Signs and wonders. It was in this moment that the church was born and that everything changed for the entire world. It's because of that moment that you and I are here. It's because of that moment that we can see and experience and understand and know the wonders of God. So that was the moment in the first century where everything changed. Where where they knew that things were not going to be the same anymore. And I wonder, have, have we as a church had a moment like that lately? Where we had a sense that things were never going to be the same again? I'd suggest that 2020 was one of those times. Where like the disciples, we knew everything about what was going on up until that moment. We knew how things worked. We knew what was going on. And in that moment, everything changed. And I think for us as a church, for the church globally, last year was a moment when everything changed. When our ability to connect with one another changed. When the technology of the world changed. When our ability to adapt to it changed. And I believe that we had an opportunity, we have as a church an opportunity to see where it is that the Spirit wants to take us in response to that moment, in response to that reality where everything changed. Because I don't know if you recognize it or not, but the world is not the same as it was before. Do you feel it? There's a sense of unrest. There's a sense of anxiety. There's a sense of something not right about the world. And to be honest, I can't quite describe it other than it doesn't feel like it should. People feel busier than they were before, even though we thought we were busy before the world was shut down by a pandemic. And we feel something has changed. And we sensed as a church that there was an opportunity, an opportunity to take a step in a different direction to what we had known before. That as our culture shifted, there was an opportunity for us to make a shift. And I've talked about this before, but God told me I need to talk about it again. And that shift was that across our culture, people started to wonder what all of this was about. Why am I here? What have I been created for? I'm out of control. We realize that we don't have the control we thought we did. That when a pandemic comes and the government decides you can't go out of your front door, it doesn't matter how much money you've got. It doesn't matter what sort of job you've got. It doesn't matter how famous you are. It doesn't, didn't matter. We lost control. And the Spirit did something in that moment. I believe it. The Spirit changed everything. As it started to awaken something in our world 
that said, that's right, you're not in control. Because there is one that is greater, that is in control. See him and know him and discover peace in the midst of this chaos. And I was reminded of that this weekend. That as we look at the world, what we're discovering is that people are starting to wonder about God, about faith, about what it all means. And the data now actually suggests that one in four of your friends that you know are wondering about what all of this means, are wondering about where God fits into the world and where they might connect with God. One in four people now, they suggest, would come to church if you asked them. Have you ever thought about that? Do you have four friends that aren't churchgoers? Do you know four people that aren't churchgoers? The data suggests that one in f- if, you, if you asked four of them, one of them would say yes. And it would probably be the one you didn't expect. Why? Because the Spirit is doing something in the world. Awakening something that our Western control doesn't have an answer for. Our affluence in our culture doesn't have an answer for. It awoke that discontent. And God has the answer. The church, we believe, has the answer. And that answer is Jesus Christ. And so we as a church... We sensed it in some way. To be honest, I'd love to think that I saw it coming, but I didn't see it coming. I just had a sense that something needed to change. And so we decided as a church that as we returned out of lockdown, back to gathering as one, we would be a church that was unified, firstly. But secondly, that we would be a church for the unchurched. That we would seek to be a church that unchurched people would want to attend. Why? Because if one in four of our friends would come to church if we asked them to, where have we got to invite them to? Where they might feel welcome, where they might feel accepted, where they might have an opportunity to even understand what's going on. And so we decided that's the sort of church that we want to be. And we believe the Spirit is guiding us in that direction. And so in some sense, that explains a little bit about what's happening next week. That we're starting a series called Starting Point. And in a sense, it's a response to that calling that we felt the Spirit speaking into our life as a church. That says, this is a moment for you to review who you are and have an impact in your community by being a church that unchurched people would want to attend, by offering a starting point to faith. And if I'm honest, and this might be you, you might not have actually had us, that you might not actually have a faith but you've been coming to church and doing the church thing and, and the Spirit was as much asking us to make sure that those of you, with, if that's your story, if you've been coming to church for 60 years, 40 years, 20 years, but you've never really connected with faith, this is an opportunity f- for you to journey through and connect the dots and figure out where Jesus fits into it all. 
this is an opportunity for it to be your starting point as well. And so that's why we felt the sense that it was time to preach it to everybody and to start us all off on the same page again. If we were to just hit the reset button and see what God, where would we start? We'll start at the beginning. And so I just, to be honest, I don't know what more to say than to tell you that that's our heart as as a church. We are believing that God has a vision that is bigger than what we can see. We are believing that the Spirit has the capacity to do more than we think is reasonable, that to do more than we think is possible, both within our church and within our lives. We believe that there is a movement that is happening in our world, an awakening of discontent about how things are that will direct people back to the things of God after wandering for so long. And we believe that God is calling us to be a part of that. And I believe you are a part of that as well. So I wonder if you can think on your moments in your life where everything changed. Where things were no longer the same. One of those moments, for those of you that followers of Jesus, one of those moments was when someone invited you to church. And it might have been that your mum invited slash commanded you to go to church or nana or whatever. But there was a moment where everything changed for you as you discovered that Jesus was the hope of the world. You might not have never had that experience. My hope, my prayer, my belief is that throughout this next eight weeks, people are going to discover that truth for the first time. And that might be some of you. But we all have moments where everything changed. And I believe we are called to create those moments for people in our world. And I've got to tell you, it's going to need something from you. This is my only application for you from this sermon. It's going to need some courage. It's going to need some courage. Because you've got four friends that you could invite to find a new starting point in life. You've got four friends that you've, up until now, and this includes me, that we have been too afraid to ask to come to church because we didn't want to sacrifice, we didn't want to risk the friendship, we didn't want to risk the relationship. But I'm asking you to trust me. But perhaps more importantly, I'm asking you to trust God (laughs) and trust God's Spirit that He wants to create a moment in your friend's life, your family member's life, your loved one's life where things are going to change forever. And all that you need to do is that you're going to be the one on the other end of the phone like it was for me, for Naomi, as she called me and invited me (laughs) to become a pastor, an untrained police officer to become a pastor. There was that phone call where everything changed. For you, I believe, for a friend of yours, there is a moment coming where you will be on the other end of that phone. And for them, they will be able to look back and go, that was the moment when everything changed. When my trajectory shifted, 
And I came to church for the first time and I discovered the hope of Jesus. So friends, that's my challenge for you. I want you to take it seriously. You might not, you might. That's up to you. But I'm going to believe. And I'm going to lead. And I'm going to (laughs) preach like there are people in the room who don't know Jesus. Why? Because I'm going to believe that some of you and myself are going to extend invitations and that those people are going to be here because we have taken the opportunity and placed our trust that the Spirit wants to create a moment in their life where everything changes forever and that they discover the God of love that desperately wants them to know that He is there. So can you do that? Would you be willing to do that? Some of you might not. I hope most of you will. I plan to. I've already asked a couple of people. Both of them didn't say yes. That hurts a little. I'll be honest. But at one day, one day, I'm hoping that in heaven I'm going to go and see someone. I'm going to go and see my youth pastor and say to him, thank you because I'm here because of you. What if one day when all of this is finished, when we are up in heaven with God, whatever that looks like, I don't even know. What if there's someone that's trying to find you? What if they're coming to try and find you and and say thank you for that phone call? I'm here because you asked me to. I didn't know until you picked up the phone. I'd never considered it until you asked. What if there's someone that's searching, that's going to be searching for you? Can you imagine? That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I believe the Spirit is leading us to. So would you give it a go? Would you have the courage? And let's see what God can do. Let's pray. Loving God, I thank you. I thank you for this. This opportunity that you have created. An opportunity to partner with you in the world. An opportunity to invite people to discover who you are. And it's hard. You know it's hard. Because when you declared the truth, people rejected your message. But Lord, we've got to believe that the people that we know and love are better off with you in their life than without you. So Lord, give us the courage to extend an invitation. Remind us of the moments in our life where things were changed forever. And one of them is when someone said to us, hey, do you want to know, anything? You want to know something about Jesus? Have you ever put your hope in Jesus? Lord, give us the courage to extend an invitation. Guard our hearts when people say no. 
but allow us to believe that there will be someone that says yes. And help us as a church to be the sort of place where we can trust it to be safe, where people can come and find a place to belong before they ever believe or behave the right ways. Lord, would we be a church where people can belong, where people can be invited, where we can be confident to invite a friend and see them discover something extraordinary about the world they didn't even know was there. So loving God, we pray your spirit come. Commission us afresh today. Descend upon each one of us that we might know, that we might experience, that we might have all that we need by your Spirit's power to show the love and care and extend the invitations that we need to to expand your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks once again for joining us. If this service has been a blessing to you, why not share it with someone you know, or better yet, post it on your social feed because you never know how God might use what you share to bless someone you didn't even know needed it. Special thank you if you contribute towards making this ministry possible. We are so grateful. If you'd like to help, head to gawleyuniting.org.au and follow the links to begin giving. God bless you and we'll see you next time.